The following story was told by Leslie, a writer and mental health advocate from Mental Health Connecticut's Write On program. This story is raw, personal, and may contain language not suitable for younger listeners. Today, I'm going to be sharing with you guys some recently discovered truths around my mental health. I'm going to touch on his connections to my mom, and my hopes are that by telling this piece of my story, I'll encourage others to evaluate themselves and to recognize that happiness is worth seeking. I hope to challenge some fears derived from stigma and the notion that we end up like our parents. It's not going to be easy to admit my imperfections. It would be so much easier to lie. I got pretty used to doing so. Hell, the word lies even in my name, Leslie. L-E-S-L-I-E, Leslie. Less lie? Let's lie? No, no, no. Not this time, but if I do in fact tell you the truth, will you like me? Will you still respect me? In November, I was holding myself up like spaghetti that was left on the stove overnight. Things were slowing down. I just finished college, graduating with a Bachelor of Science in Mechanical Engineering from Florida State. Go Knowles! <laughs> and I had finished not my first, but my second 1,000 mile move across the country. I was half a year settled into my first full-time job and I had a fluffy dog an overfurnished home with newly acquired heirlooms that I had spent the previous six months sifting through. I'd conquered mountains. I was finally on the other side, the promised land, as my freshman advisor had once called it. I had an awesome start to adulthood, but still I found myself in a very dangerous place. See, for the first time in over 10 years, I had free time. And to most people, that sounds fresh, but to me, it's a scream. It means that I've got the pleasure of moving rapidly into my imagination, spinning the past and the future in circles and rating my life to them. It means carrying through the weeks with tension, crippling my bones and that familiar stone sunken in my chest. Keeping busy is my best way to stay limber. When I run out of things on my to-do list, I lose care. It can take anywhere between two hours and three months to pull myself together. And in November, with the help of some externals, I began the process of addressing my potential illness. The first step was to be honest. I had to admit that I had a problem. I didn't have a support system. I had to force myself to seek help. This was hard because I've spent 10 years wrapped up by these stigmas that are related to the fact that my mom was killed by the voices in her head. I was a preteen when mom lost her shit. She didn't realize it was happening. We didn't either at first. But by the summer of 2006, Sandy was a different person. She spent more and more time with delusions and once we realized that it was just a mental illness, I didn't really understand where she was resistant to treatment. The day she was institutionalized, I tried to convince her to go voluntarily. I had no experience with debate, 
But my argument was that if I broke my leg, I would go to the hospital, no questions asked. Why was this any different? I watched it resonate in her eyes until another plane flew over and we had to stop talking because they could hear us. It wasn't safe. And 12 years later, I find myself in a different boat with the same ocean. Like mom, I'm resistant to psychiatric care. The medical side effects of psychotropic drugs are no joke, and I've been afraid to let part of myself go. But in November, it was the worst that it had ever been. So I started with therapy. I had to be honest. And I started questioning the derivatives and validity of my thoughts, my emotions. I tried to sort them, guess if the more potential parent is myself or some external disease. I was looking for patterns, some root cause. I found that removing myself from my anxiety and depression is one of the hardest things that I've ever tried to do. It's even harder than getting an engineering degree. And I didn't think that was possible, right? But in the process, I realized that these ailments aren't some external force, they're part of my being. So that's why it's hard to let them go. There's something sweet about pain. I can't love without it. The conditions that I carry have driven me to resilience as well, and success in school and my career. I've grown to love building structure out of chaos. Sometimes it's the only thing that satisfies me anymore. I identify with chaos and if I let it go, the challenge disappears. I become normal and that's just boring. At the same time, I can't accept that I let myself carry a frantic state for such substantial amounts of time. I know that time is precious because it's here and then it's not. In November, I realized that I had been blaming my mental state on the memory of mom hanging by her collar between the attic and the hallway. I blamed my father for his drunken raids, his nasty, spiteful attitude, the malicious tone does wonders. I could give all the fault in the world to my parents, or my friends, or God, or some TV show that I used to watch, but doing so is just making excuses for myself. They're not gonna do anything about it. Ultimately, my well-being is my responsibility. So, it's time to challenge and rebuild myself. I've been learning more and more that the narrative I tell myself can dictate my attitude. I need to focus on staying honest, present, positive, malleable, and I think that writing and reading and setting deliverable goals has been helping me get there. Just as my thoughts can become my words, my words can become my thoughts. This can be good or bad, depending on the tone in which I set. I've found that describing ways in which I'm down can only perpetuate those feelings. But I have also found relief in putting those emotions to paper as a way to let them go. Because I can review them later with a new perspective. Now I know I've spiraled down with the stories that I tell myself. And I bet I can circle back up in a similar way with continued treatment and this positive voice. The other day was really stressful. 
but I came to some ease with learning a bit of piano. I choose to hold a hopeful tone because I have something to prove. I don't want to end up lost at sea like mom. It comes up more than you would think. How did your mom die? A lump forms. I swallow. Should I tell you the truth or should I lie? My dad said I could lie. He said I could tell you that mom had brain tumors. Doing so is hiding in shame, fear, so I choose to tell you the truth. My mom was schizophrenic and took her own life, as I like to say. That's the softer way. But it doesn't matter how I tell you, because I get that look on your face. You don't know how to respond. I don't either. We're uncomfortable. It's, it's that look that I want to avoid. It's the one that says my mom, who was class mom, several years running, rescuer of animals, tamer of horses. It sets her as a statistic. It makes you think of her as a monster. She becomes defined by the way she died and not the way she lived. We don't think like that towards someone with brain tumors. In 2005, I was making spaghetti with my mom in the kitchen. She took some noodles out with a spoon and she showed me how to check to see if the pasta was ready. I jumped when she threw her hand up and I watched the spaghetti cling to the ceiling. We proceeded with throwing oodles of noodles up in the air for five, 10 minutes. Seven years later, I was a senior in high school enjoying my last few months before uprooting and moving to Florida. I was goofing off with my friends in the kitchen and I laid on the floor. When I looked up, there were two dry noodles still clinging to that damn ceiling. I grinned and I never took them down. Thank you. This story was recorded in front of a live audience at CT Improv's Theater in Hartford, Connecticut. Want to hear more young adults find their voice and speak their truth? Go to mhconn.org slash write on. That's W-R-I-T-E-O-N.